everybody. Welcome to the OETA Movie Club podcast. My name is Jeff Mareva. I'm the director of the show, and I'm here with our host, Mr. Robert Birch. Jeff, what's going on? Oh, not much today. Just a double feature. A big double feature. Double feature. Two, yeah. two good movies to talk about. Um, so please join us every Saturday night at 9 on the OETA please. Movie Club on OETA. Um, and uh, we do repeat the following Friday nights at 11 if you miss us. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a little bit late for me, but you know. <laughs> um, but I watch on Saturdays at nine. So, there you, you know, go. I watch sure. the first time. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this week we've got a great double feature to talk about. Um, first up is The Great Escape with um, Steve McQueen, Steve McQueen. and uh, James Garner from James Norman, Garner. Oklahoma. Uh, um, Richard Attenborough and yes. lots of other lots great of other actors. people. Um, and uh, the second movie that it will air immediately following The Great Escape is Birdman of Alcatraz. With Burt Lancaster. Burt Lancaster. Kelly Savalas. And, yeah, some great yeah. character actors. They're both there. really good ones. Uh-huh. So you'll, yeah. have to, you'll have to stay up late with us that night. <laughs> and uh, I'll see if I can make it up that late. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. you know, when you have kids. Yeah. <laughs> your time is not <laughs> your own. Your time is not You're your really own. tired when, you, when it's, like, it's bedtime. That's right. Um... That's why we tape these podcasts in the daytime. <laughs> <laughs> it takes some of the mystery out of that. Oh, uh, I know. I the know. showbiz. I know, I know, I know. All right, so let's start with The Great Escape. Uh-huh. Um, set this movie up for us. Tell us all about um, it. If you haven't seen this film, uh, and where have you been? Where have um, you been if you have not seen this film? A group of, uh, well, so the uh, it's based on a true story. Yeah. Of... Um, there were a lot of escape artists. Uh, every duty, of, the duty of every captured soldier is to try and escape, to divert uh, the attention uh, away and and you know, resources so that they'd have to be hunting you instead of being on the front line. So, um, a lot of these prisoners that would escape, they put them all into the same, all their bad apples into the same basket, right, so to speak, and and. Um, this is the story. There was a, a major escape during the war, um, very elaborate, and uh, took uh, six hundred men over a year, over a year to, to dig, dig these tunnel. tunnels, yeah. several tunnels out from uh, Stalag Luft Three, and it was uh, you know even though it, in the film it appears to be in Germany, is actually the actual uh, prisoner of war camp was in Poland. Poland. Yeah. But it's, it's uh, you know, in the film, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful um, German or Bavarian countryside. Yeah. Um, well, let's talk about some of the actors in this movie, because Steve McQueen, we, we talked about him last week. Last right. week, we had The Magnificent Seven. Another um, John Sturgis film. Another John Sturgis film. Um, Steve McQueen, Charles Bronson, a lot of the same actors mm-hmm. um, that are in this movie, um, or in that movie. Coburn, and, yeah, James yeah, Coburn. James Coburn, and um, and but so in the, again, like you said, based on a true story, um, but we did kind of they did kind of Americanize this a little bit, right? Uh, they well, did. It's, an, it's for American audience, American audience, it's a, yeah. an American studio putting it out, yeah. Um, in reality, uh, the uh, the American soldiers did help uh, construct the dig the tunnels right but uh, they got transferred uh, away to a different camp uh, only a few days before the actual 
escape was scheduled to take place. Yeah. So they weren't able to participate in the escape, but they helped build the tunnel. Helped build the tunnel. Um, Charles Bronson, who uh, portrays um, kind of the chief tunneler, mm-hmm. if you will, um, brought his own experience. He was a coal miner. Right. And very claustrophobic. And also claustrophobic. Yeah. yeah. Not a good combination. Not a good combination. <laughs> and uh, kind of brought that, and his character was claustrophobic. Right. And, and I mean, if you're claustrophobic, why not become a, a sailor, you know, or, right. a, you know, a cowboy. <laughs> a cowboy, a fisherman, <laughs> a, a something. That's Oil a, man, anything that just keeps you outside. Of a cave. Right. Yeah. But I think I'll be a coal miner when I grow up, is, you know. Yeah. Yeah, um, boggles the mind. <laughs> I thought it was funny. There's there's several passages talking about um, the real camp was in I think it's pronounced Sagan, Poland, Poland, um, and uh, but of course this was like you said in Germany. Uh-huh. But where they shot this in Germany, um, there was a couple of people who went by the set, <laughs> and it was such an authentic looking set. They uh-huh. did. They, I mean, they recreated this. Just outside of Munich. Just outside of Munich. And they literally got upset and yeah, and were reported very relieved, reported it, and were very relieved to find out it was just a music, uh, a uh, movie set. Uh huh. Yeah. Well, the, and the uh, uh, John Sturgis had to go to the uh, uh, West German uh, Minister of the Interior to um, get them to allow that they needed to um, knock some trees down, and it was a national forest. Yeah. They they did it with the promise that they would plant two seedlings for every every tree that they took down, but they cleared an area and and built a you know a life size replica of a real German POW prisoner of war camp. Yeah. Now several cast members were themselves actual POWs during World War right. Two. Um, you've got um, Donald Pleasant. Donald Pleasant was held he was, in a German camp. Yeah, shot down. He was a uh, a Royal Air Force uh, crewman, and yeah, he got shot down, and uh, and he actually went to uh, Sturgis, uh, John Sturgis, not the motorcycle town, but uh, he went to the director, <laughs> and uh, you know, had made a few suggestions, and was told politely, you know, to keep uh, his opinions to himself, <laughs> until somebody walks up and says, "Hey, uh, that guy, um, he." was an actual prisoner of war in a German POW camp. And he's, oh, really? And so, oh, please come over here <laughs> please and come forgive back my and, rudeness. Yeah. Um, let's see, who else? Hans Messimer uh-huh. um, was held in a Russian camp. Yep. Um, he's the, he plays the commandant yeah. in this. Um, and then, um, I'm going to butcher this this name, yeah. Till Kiwi? Til Ki- oh, I think that's uh, it's absolutely right. Okay, good. And Hans Resser... Were prisoners of the Americans um, held in a POW mm-hmm. camp in Arizona? Arizona, yeah, because yeah. we had those here. Yeah, we actually had uh, prisoner of war camps in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. I, I think only learned we about, do that a few years about that story sometime on Back in Time. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, James Gardner said that he developed his character from his own personal experience in the military. Uh huh. Um, and was Korea, Korea, um, Korean War. And was kind of a self-described um, scrounger. Scrounger, really, um, like in the film, just like in the film. Huh. And uh, a scrounger. Yeah. Now, that's uh, if you haven't seen the film, that's somebody that can basically find things. That if you're looking for, you know, 
a certain something, he can come up with it. You know, you're looking yeah. for a Mickey Mantle baseball card, or you're looking <laughs> for a pack of smokes. Yeah, yeah. Transmission for a '57 Chevy. <laughs> Nothing. Um, Forty-one. But. Now, Charles Bronson. I didn't know until I was reading this, but he could actually speak fluent Russian. Right. He, he was actually from a childhood. From a childhood, spoke. Russian. Russian first language. And he's got that line in the, in the film, uh, says, I can only speak one word. Yeah. Uh, I, I love you. I can only say that in, in Russian. But he, yeah, he, could, he was a fluent speaker. Yeah. I mean, you know. Who knew? So, speaking of Charles Bronson, during production, Charles Bronson fell, met and fell in love with David McCollum's wife. Jill Ireland. Jill Ireland. Which he did several films with. with he, yeah. And he jokingly told... McCollum, that he was going to steal her away from him. And in 1967, when they divorced, he they married uh-huh. Jill Ireland and So Charles he didn't Bronson. break up their marriage. He didn't break up their marriage, but as soon as they were done with their marriage, <laughs> he stepped right up in there and, uh, yeah. Sadly, uh, David McCollum, the uh, uh, British actor, you know, he, he uh, made a big splash in Man From U.N.C.L.E., yeah. Uh, sadly, he died this year, just yeah. uh, just a few weeks ago. I was going to say, just like a month ago. Yeah. yeah. At, uh, he was ninety years old. Yeah. Uh, but uh, and and he had actually two careers, right? I mean, uh, you know, he's in this film. He's in several other films of the '60s, and uh, Man from Uncle, you know, big series in the '60s. But then uh, his his uh, his career picked up again with uh, uh, is it NCIS? It's, oh it's, yeah, you know, yeah, one of those forensic. forensic uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's NCIS. I think it's NCIS. Yeah, um, but yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah, just about a month ago. Yeah. Um, so Paul Brickhill, who actually wrote the book that this movie is based on, uh-huh. um, was shot down in March of 1943 and was taken to a prisoner a prisoner camp in Poland, um, where he assisted in the escape. He flew a Spitfire. How much fun would that be? He oh flew a Spitfire and got shot down. Yeah. Not the shot down part. Not the shot down. Yeah, that, part's not, <laughs> that part's not the fun part. Um, yeah. I mean, that would be that would be an interesting career. Yeah. You know, fun. Until till you're shot down. Until that one bad day. Exactly. One bad day ruined everything for him. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about Steve McQueen's motorcycle. Uh, riding in this movie because yeah. that was kind of his that was what he pretty much said he would only be in this movie if you let if me I do, get my, to do my, my own motorcycle own stunts. motorcycle stunts yeah and um there was and no cool. motorcycle in the actual... i was gonna say in real life apparently there yeah. was no motorcycle stuff right but in the script there's a ton of motorcycle stuff mm-hmm. and uh um, and it's good it, it's it fits in this film it's, yeah it's, it, it works it's good. It, yeah. yeah um it's exciting but uh through the magic of editing, there's actually a scene where he's chasing himself. <laughs> right. Um, he he's like the director allowed him to uh, to you know, to ride both parts. Yeah. He loved riding motorcycles so much and cars. He loved that uh, so much that that uh, he had to not only just play himself, but he had to play the other guys too. Right. So yeah, he plays the German motorcycle chasing himself, and uh-huh. and then there was one jump though that he did not do, um, sixty foot jump over a fence, 
Um, that was done by his stunt guy, I guess. The same Brand. guy. Uh, what was his name? Uh, um, oh, what is his name? He um, was the same guy that he did a lot of stunts for uh, the TV show Chips. Yeah, Bud Ekins. Yeah, Ekins, Ekins, Ekins. But uh, and Bullet, he did uh, the same with the uh, same. Did with most of the stunts McQueen. on the TV show Chips. Uh huh. So yeah. that was kind of cool. But yeah, that was the only stunt he didn't do was the sixty foot jump over the fence. Um, everything he, else he did. But what's funny, and we were talking about this before we started taping, even though he didn't do that stunt on the t- on the actual movie, right. he still attempted it after they were done shooting <laughs> just to see if he could do it. Of like, you are lucky you didn't kill yourself, right. man. And that's the whole point of having a stunt writer anyway, right? You don't want to kill your star. Exactly. Uh, so they should have been out there preventing him from, right. from doing that. All right. But now, okay, now he gets tangled up in the in the barbed wire, right? Yeah. Uh, one of the one of the things that everybody from Steve McQueen, James Garner, down to the low, you know, to the production assistants and and food service people, when they weren't doing what they were supposed to, you know, what they were contracted to do, everybody was asked to take little five inch strands of rubber string, black rubber string. And then tie it around a couple of really long, really long uh, rubber black rubber string. Yeah. And and tie it around there. And they, what they were they were making barbed wire. Fake barbed wire. Fake, yeah. you know, the rubber barbed wire. You know, so that and and it was used in in the entire set. Yeah. Uh, you know, and particularly in that, um, you know, the the big crosses that are set there that uh you know for the swiss it's supposed to be the swiss border yeah right he's trying to do a, a motorcycle jump into the, into switzerland and uh he gets tangled up and it doesn't really hurt because no, it's not really barbed no. wire that's just rubber yeah uh, god could you imagine those sitting there making that like all day long well uh if you've you've been around a movie set yeah oh yeah there's a lot of downtime yeah and so you're just sitting there and you're bored I'm sure everybody was kind of grateful to have. Well, that's true. Uh, you that's know. true. Something. I'm sure James Garner and the rest of his films, you know, was like, <laughs> we don't really need this, but I'm going to make some fake barbed wire. I'm make some know. fake barbed wire while we're waiting. <laughs> All right, we got to move on to Birdman of Alcatraz, um, starring Burt Lancaster. Um, now, set this movie up for people. Let let everybody know what this movie is about. Uh, again, another true story. Another true right? story. Um, yeah. uh, Robert Stroud. A uh, convicted murderer um, that uh, he became known for uh, becoming an ornithologist, even you know from behind bars and uh, keeping birds. Now, a lot of what is in the film is uh, Hollywood. It is a lot of Hollywood. Uh, in fact, he probably should have been called the Birdman of Leavenworth because he spent far more time uh, at Leavenworth than any other place, and it was only at Leavenworth where he had the birds. I was about to say, I read that he wasn't actually allowed to keep any birds while he was in Alcatraz. It was only until he got to Leavenworth that, yeah. But he became a a renowned expert on, uh, you know, some uh, species. Of birds. Now, I do want to say, though, that I was pretty shocked, because I've seen this movie. It's been several years, but yeah. I've seen this movie. And I was pretty shocked when we were doing research for this podcast about how brutal Robert Stroud was. Yeah, he was he not was a nice not guy. like he's portrayed in this no. movie, to be honest. I mean, yeah. 
in this movie, it's, he's kind of portrayed to be a sympathetic, a character. sympathetic murderer. You know, who, yes, he's a murderer. <laughs> it's not sympathetic murderer, but a murderer who, <laughs> who's re, who's um, uh, what's the word I'm like? Reformed, reformed. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. You, you know, yeah. like like oh well, this is you know a guy who made a terrible mistake in his life and he's learned yeah. from it and now he's with these birds and he's, he's gentle, gentle and everything. No, and, yeah. this guy was not like yeah. that. He was a psychopathic killer. Psychopath. Um, they were concerned uh, that uh, he might be released because they he might sexually abuse children. Right. And he had not only murdered people out, you know, when he was before he was in prison, he murdered several people while he was in prison. Right. So, and he was he was uh, they said mentally uh, direct, he was insane. Right. Criminally insane. Yes. So certifiable psychopath. Yeah, he might be yeah. talking to you about birds one minute and then, you know, jumping Literally on top killing of you with you a the knife. Next. Yes. Next, you know. Yeah. Man. So they but there was a move after this film came out because it makes him look uh, it you know, makes, so sympathetic. It does. There was a move, many letters uh, uh, asking for the release of, of Robert Stroud. And they you know, the people at the prison I mean in the prison system they knew. They right. were like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Anything. Yeah, we're not going to let yeah. this guy out. He actually died in prison um, about a year after this film's release. Uh-huh. Um, he never got to see this He film. never got to see this film. He was never allowed to see this film mm-hmm. um, while he was in prison. But the date, the date that he died, right? Right. Uh, it was November 21st, 1963. Oh, yes. So the, he died one day. The day before the Kennedy assassination. Before the Kennedy assassination, yeah. So his death was not widely publicized. Right. Yeah, and, you know, he was, due, due to this movie, he was probably the most famous prisoner um, of Alcatraz, with yeah. the exception of Al Capone. Right. Al Capone was like the only more known prisoner than Robert Stroud because of this movie. Yeah. And uh, just... Just crazy. Um, Alcatraz only it closed only a few years after the the filming of this. Yes. Uh, so they they couldn't film at Alcatraz right. itself. You know, I mean, like uh, uh, the Clint Eastwood film Escape from Alcatraz. Yes. Was filmed right. in the actual prison. Yep. But uh, they couldn't do that on this, so they had to build. They they shot exteriors. They shot uh, exteriors. Yeah. You know, of but, the real Alcatraz. Yeah. But uh, they had to build. An, exterior, an interior of Alcatraz inside a soundstage. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just just crazy. And Alcatraz is so well known, considering it was only open less than thirty years. Right. You know, because they had just so many problems and stuff that they. But it I seems mean, like the perfect place for a prison. It does. Yeah, you know, I mean, it is uh, because of all the elements around it. It is uh, difficult to to get away, you know to escape from. Right. Um, yeah, the currents out there, the sharks, uh, the yep. water is deadly cold. Oh, yeah. And, you know, at the same time, it kind of tortures the, the inmates because they can, they can see, uh, you know, just across the water. Right. They can see San Francisco. They can hear the cable cars and they can and, – and uh, people You're so laughing. close to freedom. You can smell the chocolate being made at the Girardelli factory there. Right. You know? And, and yeah, you so close, but yet so far. So far. Um, 
I thought this was kind of interesting and gross. Um, at one point, the Here real Robert Stroud had over 400 birds in his cell. Yeah. That's a lot of poop. Yeah. That's mm, a lot of bird poop. Hello. Fertilizer. Uh, we'll just call it fertilizer. <laughs> That's a lot of cleaning right there. I'm just saying. Yeah. I yeah. used to have like three dogs or th- two, three cats and a dog, and that was way too much. Oh, you know. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some of the people who have uh, received awards and award nominations from this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas. This is his only mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. nomination. Um, Thelma Reader, who um, actually Ritter. Pl- Ritter. Oh, sorry. sorry, yeah, Ritter. Um, she uh, she plays. Burt Lancaster's mother. Uh-huh. She's only 11 years older than him in this movie. <laughs> that happens a lot. That does. Angela Lansbury played um, uh, Lawrence Harvey's mother in, in Manchurian Canada. Manchurian Candidate. Canada, yeah. And she was only like, you know, five years yep. older. But uh, but she went on. That was, that was her sixth Best Supporting Oscar nomination, um, which um, is actually the record... For the most nominations and most losses yeah. in the Academy Awards. She's all she's three shy of being the Susan Lucci of right. the Academy the Awards. Academy Awards, right. right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean And you know, Burt Lancaster was nominated for this. Uh yeah. it was the only nomination he had that uh didn't also get a best picture nomination. Right. But he had like a financial stake in uh or he was actually beholden to the studio. Um, seven hundred fifty thousand dollars, which was a lot of money back in '63. Oh, yeah. uh, that that uh, uh, that he owed for a prior production that didn't make money, right? And that he was personally liable for. So he, you know, he he had to make like four pictures uh, to make up for that seven hundred fifty thousand dollar deficit. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think they do that sort of deal anymore. No, no, <laughs> no, no. They do not. Um, well, man, we are out of time. That, two movies that goes by quick. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about the the uh, celebrity photo? I do. I do want to give a quick shout out to Nancy Stansbury, um, and uh, who sent in a great photograph with her and her husband and Taylor Swift. She's good. Yeah, she's uh, like she's Taylor pretty Swift. popular right yeah. now. Um, you know, she put out a, a email or a text that uh, uh, encouraged people to register to vote, and yeah. the next day, thirty-five thousand people registered to vote. Wow! Yeah, that's some star power, right yeah. there. Yeah, it's like mm, maybe we could run her for yeah, office. No you know, <laughs> people thinking that. <laughs> but yeah, they sent in a great picture with her. Got to meet her at one of her concerts and. And uh, so tune in and, and listen to that story and yeah. see that photo. And, and if you have a celebrity photo, um, we would love to have a copy to share with our audience. And uh, Get that T-shirt, too. Get that T-shirt. We send out, uh, if, you, if you send in a photo that we use on the air, we send you one of our Movie Club T-shirts. Uh, it's a really cool-looking T-shirt. So be sure and, and give uh, us a size. Yeah, include your, your, ma- make us your mailing address and your size. Yeah, if, you, if, if we have to guess, you get an extra small. <laughs> And we got a lot of those. We, we got, got a lot get of extra of smalls, um, and uh, and uh, yeah. So tune in each week. Um, again, like I said at the beginning, we air every Saturday night at nine. We repeat Friday nights at eleven, and um, we're actually going to take 
the next couple of weeks off. Oh yeah. Um, to bring our December pledge, which it cracks me up. It's called December pledge this year because most of it's in November this year. <laughs> but uh, but anyway, it's our December pledge. It's when we come to you every December and we we say, hey, you know, these mo- these shows cost a lot of money to put on the air. Um, we don't get any money from anywhere else besides pretty much viewers like you. Um, we have a couple corporations and stuff like that that help yeah. us out. But you know. Most, well, we're very thankful. We're for very, them, we're very thankful yeah. for them. But, but a lot of this is is funded directly from viewers like you, and we love to have our viewers donate and help. Yeah. And, and please send in anything you can. And you can always go to oeta.tv and find the donate button and uh, help us out that click way. That. And, yeah. And uh, but Give then we'll be back um, Saturday, December 9th, um, with the Lavender Hill Mob. That's Ooh, Alec one. Guinness. Alec yeah. Guinness. Yeah, that's That'll a good. It's a good one. So. Um, so yeah, so thanks for listening, everybody. And until next time, take care. Bye-bye. Make sure to like and subscribe to the podcast. You can preview all upcoming OETA Movie Club films at oeta.tv forward slash movie club. And please send your celebrity photos to P.O. Box 14190, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma 73113, or you can email them to us at oeta.tv forward slash movie club and of course tune in every saturday night at nine and on fridays at 11 we'll see you on the couch every weekend for a great movie and fresh popcorn